<laughs> Basically, we're gonna be in a situation like that movie, uh, Unfriended. No, we're not. No, we won't. I'm no, cutting this shit off. It's being <laughs> cut off. It's the point where you hello, hello, everybody. <laughs> the less than stealthy ninjas are here to bring you another episode of Ninja Banter. Oh, uh, I, myself, Scooter Ray, aka Let's Scoot, the person to the right of me with the uh Captain Insano hair, uh mm-hmm. Cosmic Boss, and all my bad, the Sideshow Bob hair. Uh, I was here That's it. What up, everybody? <laughs> person to the lower right, uh, with his Einstein's on looking all regal, uh neon Xerxes. And the person below me with the with the uh, scary curtain that if y'all see it move, say something. I don't want demons to come out through this camera. That is Aronia Miss. What's happening, everybody? Not putting my hand in no blender. <laughs> Not putting my hand. In the garbage no blender, you nobody is. Oh, Aronia, we got a little audio issue. You sound a little uh, like he was underwater. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do I still sound underwater? No, you sound nope. better now. Nope. Okay. Clear. All right. So, how's everybody doing? How's everybody feeling? It is good. Friday. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. Thinking about well, it. Well, I know you're feeling great because you finally got your power back. So, <laughs> look, 65 hours, man. Damn. <laughs> It wasn't like bad, but you know, it, it was, you know. <sighs> How's right, everybody so else? Good. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Excited about tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Right? Going down. Going party at Cider Cade, you know? And I looked Doing on the website. Apparently, food trucks like to pass through there. Yeah. So you're lucky and some food trucks be out there. Oh, hell yeah. They say they don't serve food, but you can bring food now. Well, well we are bringing food. Oh, I didn't know. I was just going to know it's a party. That's all I know. <laughs> uh, about to say, uh, before we get to our main topic at hand, I'd mm-hmm. like to uh, talk to y'all because um, recently I've been seeing a bunch of directors call movies that come on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime fake movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know Jenkins, he's talking about Patty Jenkins. I know he's talking. Martin Patty Scorsese. Jenkins said it, and Martin Scorsese said it. So, how do y'all feel about Netflix movies, Hulu movies, Amazon Prime movies, movies that come to streaming services are fake movies? How y'all feel about that? Here's the thing with, with Scorsese, like, he needs to make a movie that's watchable first. Um, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so, like, wow. Like the last, like his last movie was what? The Irishman. That was like that, that four, came on four hours with De Niro. And them. Who that here's watching? Who here's watched it? <laughs> Not me. I haven't watched it. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> you could. Pro- I could probably. I can name the last movie of his I watched. The Departed. I think that's probably damn near everybody's. Yeah, and like, oh, and that wow. ain't even an original idea. He got that from an Asian movie, like, so he mm-hmm. needs to quiet down and make something original and watchable 
before he before he complained about anybody. And then Patty Jenkins, like you sitting there trying to blame Netflix and all them movies for your movies. Hang on, boss. Hang on, boss. What movies did she make? Wonder Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. Both Both the Wonder Women movies. Both of them. Go drown yourself. Those both up. Well, hold on. Let me just pull it up because she probably has made more. You know. Well, while while boss is pulling that up, Aranya, how you feel about that statement? I think it's a bunch of fucking bullshit. I mean, like, mm-hmm. who are you to define what's a real movie and what's not? Like, what does that even mean? I mean, like, if you're talking about a short story, fine. Okay. But you're trying to put it in the same category in my head as sci-fi original movie. Okay. And that's not Here's the thing. She's directed 17 movies. Her three biggest movies that you will know, both of the one, both of the Wonder Women movies are two of those three. Mm-hmm. The other one is Monster with Charlize Theron and Christina Ricci way back in 2003. Okay. That's it. Everything else, you ever heard of Just Drive or Velocity Rules? Nope. Uh, let's see. What about a movie called Five? Nope. <laughs> uh Let's see. Exposed? Nope. Uh, <laughs> I am the night. Oh no, that's a TV show. That's a TV show. Everything else is a she directed an episode of a TV show. So, mm. you know, Ooh. like I it and before anybody says something, it has nothing to do with her being a female director. There are great female directors out there. I can name oh, Ava wow. DuVernay. You know. Uh, What's uh what's old girl that directed Zero Dark Thirty? Um mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot, there's quite a few of them out there, but Catherine something. Uh Catherine Bigelow? Yeah, that sounds kind of right. I, I know we should like research that, but yeah. Um you know, like let me just well, look uh, at that. So, how do you feel about that uh statement? It's a stupid statement. I mean, a great movie is a great movie. A mm-hmm. crap movie is a crap movie, regardless of the platform. Yeah, I mean, hell, exactly. not too long ago, uh, before the, the pandemic, I think it was before the pandemic, we went and saw that horror movie, and neither one of us knew what the hell was going on. Y'all know what I'm <laughs> talking about, the, the, the turning? The turning, yes. And that was in theaters, and look here, midway through that movie, because I was sitting next to Aranya, and she probably remember me saying this, I was like, What's going on? What's the point? <laughs> and I think you actually woke me up when you said that because I had dozed off at one point. That Here's the thing: we and because we always do this, we watch the credits just in case. Right. Got some credits. Light came on, and the first statement was from Boss. What the f did we just watch? <laughs> you didn't know what's happening. So, but that Here's was a major theatrical release. And it was a crap movie. Yeah, and you exactly. can find great movies on a streaming service. Yes, well, and I just I remember it up. though, I remember I think it was either the 2019 or the 2020 Oscars, it was catching flat because I think a Netflix movie was being nominated for best movie, mm-hmm. and people were pissed about it. No, so so you know what, what you have going on is um how, how can I word this? A little. It was tw- it was 2019, and it was uh, Spielberg was upset about it. Thank you, because he's in that same camp. He's in that same camp. He doesn't oh, okay. like straight okay. to streaming service movies, and it's like you need to make something good 
<laughs> as well. Because like Miss Jackson said, what have you done for me lately? What you have so. is a bunch of elitists, and they see mm-hmm. uh, what th- their comfort zone is being threatened. Yes. Mm-hmm. That makes yes. sense. That's, uh, that's, all, that's all it is. Think of it this way. Let's say um, you have uh, a record company executive or executives complaining about things like um, Spotify and uh, things that have music and all that. Yeah. There you go. All it is is that they are seeing the status quo getting bucked because now you got a way for an artist to completely bypass them. Yeah, correct. And get the music out. That's the that's the thing because like you know it used to be a club like you could even probably go back ten to fifteen years. It was a very small club. Every time a movie came out, you almost knew who the director was, like the same way you knew who the star was. Right. True. You know. So now that all these streaming services are taking off, and what was it? Netflix said they are putting a hundred billion in the next yeah, <laughs> five years in the original content. And then Amazon just paid what was it? A billion? What they said almost a billion per episode just for the Lord of the Rings show. It is like these people are put these services are putting money behind this content, and that money is giving opportunity to other people. Mm-hmm. To to show what they have. Meanwhile, it used to be like, okay, we need a we need a Lord of the Rings TV show. Who we got? Can we get Jackson back? Nope. Well, who else we got? Can we get such and such? And it'd be like a name of ten people that they gonna run through. And if they don't get them, they ain't gonna make it. Nope. Now, and so you know, that's all this is. They giving more opportunity to other people, and we ain't even just saying like people of color or anything like that. It's just more people getting more opportunity and they don't like it because <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, like I said with Spielberg, what have you done for me lately? The last right. thing you did was ready player one, which was, I enjoyed it, but is it like, is it a classic? No. What did you do before that? <laughs> so the, the closest thing I can remember is war horse and <laughs> Who, who watched the movie about a horse in war? Like, I didn't. Not me. <laughs> like, Hell, I I'm tired of myself. <laughs> like, so, and you know, and you know what? Black, Black, Black Booty. Black Booty, what? Oh, oh. That, is oh. Oh. that is what That's not what we talking about. Oh. Let me correct myself. Being oh my gosh. to watch Black Beauty the movie about that black horse in school, in elementary school, was enough for me. I still have not seen Secretariat. I still have not seen any of them other horse movies. Like, sea Biscuit. You know, sea Biscuit, none of them. Stallion, none of them. <laughs> I, I think you made that one up. I don't, think <laughs> I don't know. Stallion. It was an animated movie, Stallion of the Cimarron with a red horse. I don't know. Like, yeah, really? yeah, unfortunately, right. Yes. <laughs> Something called stallion, they might be kind of loaded. <laughs> you know, you got to be careful. Yeah, yeah. Like, like everybody, just be careful when you Google that one. But yeah, that, so that's like, uh, if you hear about something called stallion, you might, you know, be all excited, find a movie to keep your kids busy, thinking it's about a horse, and you get to the video store and it's on the other side of the store. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> behind that other curtain. Side, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, behind the curtain. Yeah, there used to be one over there on uh, South Main. They ain't had no curtain. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> it was just on the, on, the, on, on the side. 
go back. Let me know. Pick it up. Uh, yeah. Right there. Yeah, yeah. Some, y'all, y'all may know what I'm talking about. It's in that shopping center where Carol, uh, Carrington's is. Oh, yeah. I oh, went yeah. there. Oh, yeah. I know where it is. <laughs> Then they converted completely. It was, it was all booty movies. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's all that is. Their their industry is just leaving them behind, and like, or their movies are failing. It's one of the two, and they don't like it. Uh, they don't want to change. You know, so Aranya, I think maybe the mic positioning might be affecting you because sometimes it's like good, and it's sometimes it's bad. Like just now, when you when you said it didn't like change, you still sound kind of drowned out. Boss, so, did I think it's like right, like right now you sound good. Yeah, and right now it sounds good. So I don't know if it's like where you got the mic positioned or what. I haven't moved anything, so I'm just like. You see, like it's it's it's, it's good and it trail off and then it get good again. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. All right, man. But it's, yeah, so <sighs> that's yeah, all. All right, well. I just wanted to get y'all's opinion on that, especially y'all being avid movie watchers. So today's topic was given to us by none other than the Cosmic Boss. So I'm gonna let him introduce it. So don't take it away, Sideshow. <laughs> All right. And so my idea I got from watching various YouTube videos, and it was just like I came up with the idea: like, what are the five games? that made you the gamer of who you are. Not your five favorite games of all time or what you consider the best games of all time, but like what got you down this path that led to other games in the genre and its subgenres. For instance, to give an example, let's say uh, we all know Aranya's favorite game genre is platformers, specifically 2D platformers of the Mario genre. Like, and so we know her fa- her three favorite Mario games will be Super Mario Brothers 2, 3, and World. So, like, which one or which game got her to try the Mario games first? And then, like, you know, that would be the first game in the timeline that she played that got her into platformers. And which one made her be like, okay, I need to play more of these? That's what I'm talking about. That game there. Like, not the first one, not your favorite, the one that was like, okay, I need to see what else is in here. You well, know? Then, uh, since it's your topic, I'm going to let you take it away with your five, and I guess you can give a brief explanation of okay. why these your five. Okay. So, yes, my five, uh, first up, is one of my five or even top ten favorite RPGs in the world. And it's basically what got me into <laughs> what got me into RPGs. And that game is Chrono Trigger. So Super Nintendo classic, you know, and the reason it got me into RPGs is because it set up the template of what I like in RPGs to this day. So anybody who's played RPGs know they come into like multiple different camps. So you have the ones that, like, you know, everybody loves it. Like, you could design your character. You design your build. You want them to be a mage or a melee fighter, so so on and so forth like that. You know, you get to make it however you want to do it. You get to go wherever you please, do whatever you want. 
the traditional role-playing D&D type of RPGs. Chrono Trigger is the opposite. Chrono Trigger is the reason I love RPGs to this day, and that is because you start out as one character, the main character, Chrono. You wake up, you get sent off, and then a whole bunch of crazy shit happens. Scooter's played it, and he can tell you. Like, you, you get pulled backwards in time and to stop an assassination of a girl you met at a festival. And every character you meet is from, like, a different time period in this game, and they all have specific sets of skills. So, you know, like, uh, your best friend is named Luca. She's a purple-haired girl. She invents machines. She has a pistol. And <laughs> she, uh, basically, her magic is fire, you know. Then you meet, like, a human that was turned into a frog. He is a knight, and he, is, he uses a sword. You meet a robot from the future who uses lasers and is and punches real hard. You go back to prehistoric times, you meet a cave woman who it moves really fast and basically rolls around like Blanca from Street Fighter. You know, every character has specific uh, skills that they bring to the table and you have to use and them correctly. It was on Super Nintendo. Yes, it was on Super Nintendo and it was like way ahead of its time. And then it's just like the music and the world is all just just mm. and that got me into playing final fantasy where i played final fantasy 3 here or as it was known in japan ff6 it got me into the final fantasy genre whereas my favorite final fantasy to this day is nine with the same thing every character has a specific skill set you have to use them correctly you know and that's like unlike seven eight and like you can even probably go to 12 like where you could build them out to have different uh abilities or the same abilities really so you know that got me into playing rpgs and that's and i play those games to this day like persona and shin megami tensei and then other games whether they be action rpgs or even just turn-based rpgs so that's number one number two is the reason i'm a masochistic gamer why i love difficult games <laughs> And so, you know, and that one is is real simple, and that is Dark Souls, the first one. Not Demon Souls, which is the blueprint or the template for this genre, but it's Dark Souls, the one made immediately after. Came out in 2011. So why Dark Souls over Demon Souls? The reason Dark Souls over Demon Souls is because essentially Dark Souls put it together better. So Demon Souls, uh, anybody has played it, you know, is the, it, you know, it, you have the world that you go in, but you have to teleport to each section. You know, you have to go here and each, each little section of this world is divided up into four parts, three parts, and then a boss battle at the end to end the world. And then you go back to the main hub and then you choose another stone and you go to another world. Mm. Dark Souls took that same formula of basically <laughs> do or die and difficulty and put it in a world that was basically open and interconnected in a way that you go down this path you find a shortcut back to this area you go down this other path you find a, a area that you should not be in at the moment but you can freely explore if you want to um and it was just like and it also set up this this story that wasn't a story so 
anybody that's played the souls games dark souls one two and three know they tell a story but they don't tell a story you have to get the story from reading the items and the descriptions and just listening to the little npc chats they will never tell you anything straightforward it's just basically explore play how you want to play and when you die try again <laughs> so you know it just it did it into a way that demon souls tried but couldn't and it's just it put it instead of the blueprint this was the prototype and then going forward they basically perfected it and they perfected their prototype with each iteration after that we got after that dark souls 2 then we got bloodborne then we got dark souls 3 then we got sekiro and then we're getting um elden ring next year and so you know and that's going to be made that's made by the same studio from software with input from george rr R. martin so if you like game of thrones that's going to have more game of thrones story for you but you know that just got me into that got me back to liking difficult games because we've all played difficult games in our past you know whether it be the original mega man games <laughs> ghosts and goblins on the on the nes <laughs> so you know uh um, you know, some games was difficult back then because of hardware limitations and that is correct. Things like, like that. These like are purposely made to be difficult today. Exactly. So you know, like uh, case in point, was it uh, Rygar on the on the old Nintendo had no save point. You had to play from <laughs> beginning to end, <laughs> and if you stopped or the game cut off, you had to start completely over with nothing. So you know. Uh, but yeah, like, and then it also just had so many moments. Like when you, when I walked through the fog in one area and I was in basically a prison cell with the Capra demon and his three dogs. And it's like, oh, fuck you. Because <laughs> like, it's, it's in, like. In that area, so tiny. Oh, so damn tiny. You like, man, it's like, oh, because the dogs move fast. He moves fast. And you at this point are weak and it's like oh like this game had no no get up for you then uh you go like further past that and you find Havel the rock waiting at the bottom of a tower and he's like you come down here we gonna fight it's like well, why why sir like you're good why we gotta fight like, like and then you and then like to get past him that gets you to another area that you need to go to and it's like oh and then man Oh, the one of the greatest boss fights I ever overcame in my life. Ornstein and Smile, like in Anna Orlando, fucked him too to this day. <laughs> you love it. You love it. Oh man, but you know, like meeting Solaire, saving Sigurd so he can reunite with his daughter. It's like that game just had so many moments, and it's like I'll always remember Dark Souls. Um after that, my third one is the reason I'm a stealth assassin-type player to this day. The complete opposite of what Les Scoot is. Scoot has been gaming with me for 18 years, and he knows this. <laughs> he knows this. I am the sniper. I will sneak in. I will silently kill, or I will kill from far away. Scoot is the one that will bust down a door and look... <laughs> 
and look a hundred times. People out there who know and don't know, just research Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's Leroy Jenkins. You know what? That dude was probably a uh, AFK. <laughs> And then this came back up in the talking about man, let's do this. <laughs> but yeah, but like so me, I like I like okay, I see there's like 11 people in here. Like I'm gonna set up traps over here, I'm gonna set up a distraction over here, I'm gonna sabotage this so somebody comes and investigates it, then I'm gonna pop them something so the other three can see Not it me. like. So that's the kind Eleven of thing you should bring FOMO people. <laughs> and so the reason I'm that I'm that kind of player to this day is because of a stealth game called Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. And a lot of people will remember that from the PS2 days, and they'll also remember the, the ones that came before it. And you might be asking, why not Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty or the original from PlayStation 1, Metal Gear Solid? I loved both of those. I played Metal Gear Solid so many times and MGS2 for hunger. Because if you got too hungry, your character started losing health, moving slow. And then not only or, that, but then your stomach would growl super loud. Yeah, your stomach would growl and the enemies would hear you, even though you were hiding and they'd be like, something's over here. <laughs> so, you know, and if you ate the wrong thing, your hunger would go down a lot quicker because you could be poisoned. You could get or you could get food poisoning from eating the wrong the wrong thing, or you can even get food poisoning from eating something that was uncooked. Like your character would just start farting and, and throwing up right there on the spot. Like it's it yeah, yeah, like like, 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 like if you ate something wrong, you would take two steps and he and it'd be like, come on, yeah, like man. it just and and enemies would hear that from a farther distance and they'd be like, what's happening? And it's like, oh shit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And then, like, they had like almost fifty different camouflage outfits, and so like you had to sneak around. You could sneak around, and it was just more open ended. You had multiple paths to get to your objective or get through this area. And so, like, one of my biggest memories was just putting on this dark green and brown camo suit, putting on a crocodile mat head skull that I had killed from a crocodile earlier. And walking through the water, and the enemies just thought I was a crocodile swimming by. And it's just like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, if I'm in that jungle and I see a crocodile swim by, it's like, okay, my route over here is over. <laughs> so, like, no, no, not just gonna casually swim by me, you big lizard. But no. Um, but yeah, it's just like, and we all know about Metal Gear Solid and its boss fights, but it's just, that added so much to the stealth genre that I just fell in love with today. And that is just the reason I play Dishonored, the reason I play Deathloop, the reason I play any game that gives you the option of playing stealth. That's the reason I do it to this day. If it lets me tag enemies from afar and kill them from afar, I'm going to do it. If it lets me sneak up and just knife people in the neck and the back, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so almost power tactics. <laughs> almost never will you see me just run in guns blazing just Leroy Jenkinson let's scoot it up no uh, <laughs> number four is the reason I'm into strategy games so the reason I got into games like 
uh, Warcraft 3, Command and Conquer Red Alert 2, real-time strategy games, or even like, you know, the games like XCOM, XCOM Enemy Within, XCOM 2, stuff like that, or even uh, Divinity, Original Sin 1 and 2, you know, Baldur's Gate 3, like any uh, game where you have to plan your movements, plan your attacks, or you will get fucked up is because of this game here. And that is a game from PS1 called Final Fantasy Tactics. Tactics. And, <laughs> and so that game, like, even amongst Final Fantasy fans, like, it is probably one of the most well-known but least played. And that is because it was so different from everything else. And it set up the blueprint, the blueprint for what many other strategy games copied. Like you had characters that you had to recruit. You had to pay money to recruit them. If you didn't have enough, you just you went in undermanned. You had to build these characters up to where they learned different abilities. They learned enough abilities in one class, they could learn abilities in this adjacent class. Like you started there as a white mage, you learned how to do this, this, and this. You could eventually parlay that and turn them into a black mage or a time yeah, mage. Not only that. You think you can beat all the enemies and five more show up and you'd be like, huh? Yes. Uh, my <laughs> yes. resources are exhausted. What do you mean? Exactly. <laughs> like you were low on HP and MP at this point. And then like one enemy just gets out of your reach and they like they blow a horn and all of a sudden reinforcements come. And it's just like, huh? <laughs> it's, just like it's, it's and then it's just, oh, man. Like you can combine and build these characters. Like, like I said, like you just take different abilities from different classes. You could just make a mutant class to where you could have char a character with knight and samurai and black mage abilities, and it's just like this this dude be OP, but they they really ain't. <laughs> so, like, cause they move slower, they can't move far. The way you have to put them in the front. You had to strategize your 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 team's placement. So if you had archers and mages, you want them at the back or at high ground so they can get more damage, uh, damage boost, or they can hit or hit farther, you know. And that's and that game is still kind of difficult to this day, and it's it still is still being often imitated and sometimes even duplicated. Like some, there are some developers that have caught on and made better games. I will say that, but. That's the one that got me started on this path because there are many games I consider better than that one, but that is the one that got me into strategy games and just like the reason I love those strategy RPGs and those those strategy games where you have very low odds of victory, but if you figure it out, you can you you can persevere and make it. And the uh, the last one is uh, this one was tough, so. This genre and it's in, and it's in the genre of gaming that is the most the most successful and the most accessible and probably the highest selling in gaming history, and that is the platformer. So, it's like, and we all know who the king of platforming is, and that is Mario, and so all hail his highness Mario, you know, without whom we wouldn't have gaming today. But the re and the reason this game is on the list is because it got me into playing more platform games. It led me to 
other games like the Sly Cooper series, the Jack and Daxter series, Banjo Kazooie, who I will cons- who I will say right here is the superior 3D platformer to Super Mario 64 on the Nintendo 64. Um, it got me into other games that are platforming like Mirror's Edge and just you know just a whole host of games, but like like Ratchet and Clank, Spyro, like it's Conquer, you know. <laughs> The the platforming genre, Rayman, you know, the platforming genre is everybody has a favorite game or they played more than a few games in this genre. But the one that is on this list that got me into this is, and before I say its name, let me tell a story. My dad had a best friend named Rick Sanchez. Yes, I know. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. What? I know. I know. Let, let me let me let me explain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rick Sanchez. And he was one he was one of my dad's best friends. And he would always drag me along over there because him and Rick used to like to go fishing. Rick would set up blue owls in his backyard over in uh, where was it? Uh not third war, but it was like West Houston. And it was like he had a whole pig on a spit back there one time. And it's just like, we can do this in the city. And I was like, maybe I was like all of four five and six. And by the time the super Nintendo came out, his uh, daughter who I forget her name, she had it and he played it often. And was so, huh? Was no, she, no, it was not bad. It was not bad. Uh, sure? I'm sure. You don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember, but I'm sure it wasn't Beth. But because <laughs> that would have been that would have just been weird. But <laughs> like, so um, she had a game on there uh, that was uh, called Donkey Kong Country. Everybody remembers Donkey Kong. So and then that's the game Mario premiered in as Jumpman, and Donkey Kong finally got his due, and he got his own game on Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. This is not that game I'm talking about. But when I played that game, I was like, all right, when are we going back to Rick's? Because I want to play this. Like, like anybody that's played it remembers the music of Donkey Kong Country. Remembers Donkey Kong, just like the, the graphics of it, where it was like 3D and claymation at the same time. And it was just like, mm-hmm. it was a beautiful game for its time. But it is not the game that's made it as number five on my list. The game that made it as number five is the sequel. Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Kong's Quest. And the reason because of that is when I finally got my Super Nintendo, that game was out. And so it was like, why do I get the first game when I can get the second one? And so this one, you didn't play as Donkey Kong. You had to rescue Donkey Kong, who had got kidnapped by Captain K. Rule, who was a giant crocodile playing as a pirate, and he had a blunderbuss, <laughs> which goes back to... <laughs> to pre-production and so this game like it improved on the first one in so many ways in the first one you went through so many different worlds like you had animal buddies like Ranby the Rhino you had uh, I think it was Squawks the Parrot you had the Ostrich which I forget her name and then you had uh, On Guard the Swordfish you know Donkey Kong Country 2 you they introduced Dixie Kong, which was the pigtailed uh, chimp 
that when you jump and held the button, her pigtails went in the helicopter and she floated over long distances. This made platforming a lot more better because, and they opened up the level design because of this. They opened up the tech abilities for the for the platforming in here, where if you rolled off the edge, you could jump midair if you got it quick enough. You know, mm-hmm. they they made the levels much more varied. They they added more animal buddies. They added the lost world where if you got enough coins and you gave it to Clubber, he let you in and you played these very hard Super Mario Lost levels type of levels. And that's those are the ones you had to beat to get the true ending in 100. It was like not 100% because this game went beyond that. If you collected everything and did every level in Donkey Kong Country 2, you got to 113%, which is just a weird number to finally settle on of which you did everything. And so it's just that game. I played that game over and over. And recently I replayed it on to 113? I never got to 113. I got to 99. But but I did get the true ending. But some things in that game are just so hard to find. Like you had to to get to that number, you had to beat every level. You had to find every Donkey Kong coin in every level. You had to find every bonus level in the game. You had to beat all the lost levels. You had to what was it? Um, and then uh, what was it? Um, some some you had to beat in a certain time, and so it's just like finding the bonus levels so, in, the, in this game so, is just so basically you needed to get good back in those days. <laughs> I needed to get good, yes, and so I wasn't able to 113 Donkey Kong Country 2, but I was able to do that in the sequel, Donkey Kong Country 3, where I found every banana bird, every bonus level, every coin, and so you know. That one because that one improved on two, but I would never have played three if it wasn't for two. And so, you know, that got me into like, you know, I had played the Mario games before that. And my favorite Mario 2D platformer is Mario World, and that was on the same console. So, you know, but Donkey Kong Country 2 just did it, just took me to a whole new plane. And that just took me just off into platforming heaven with the other franchises I mentioned. And so, those would be my five. And if uh, now some game I love that just didn't make the cut and I do have honorable mentions, I, I'll just list them and not why uh, they didn't make it or why they would have made it. Uh, that would be Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Uh, got me into fighting games, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat. Same thing. Like, you know, it was right there with Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Like I probably wouldn't even be playing fighting games to this day for either one of them. Uh, Half-Life 2. Got into first-person shooters because of that, you know. Like a lot of people say, GoldenEye on N64, and it's like I can see that, but you know that probably be one of the first ones I played. But Half-Life Two made me love the genre. Uh, Super Mario World was just barely cut out. Uh, Resident Evil Two and the Resident Evil GameCube remake was the ones that got me into survival horror. So, you know, those would be like my honorable mentions, and that would be my list. So. All right, uh, Miss Aranya, why don't you regale us with your five games that made you the gamer you are? All right, so as Boss Lovely mentioned that I am a platform person, I'm also Mm. a simulation type of person. Um, These are not in any particular order. Uh, The first game I'm going to say is Super Mario 2. 
I didn't really care for the original Mario with all the pipes and shit. And I didn't really care for Mario 1 like that. Simply because you couldn't go back. That really annoyed me. Like, you know how train moves and it's like, no backseats. You can only like go back to where it stopped. And that was really annoying. And mm-hmm. when Mario 2 came around, first of all, I could be the princess. <laughs> and she glides. Luigi had crazy legs. There were like differences in the characters. It wasn't just yes. a different skin on the character, you know? And so it was like, okay, well, I know. Okay, I got to do this. So I don't want crazy legs Luigi because I can't do X, Y, and Z. I felt the levels were a lot more fun and it really got me on board because I wasn't initially told by original Mario on PC and the original Mario Brothers. Like, I wasn't originally told. Until Mario 2 on Nintendo. And I was, I could do this. Like, I could see myself doing this. Like, I like this. <clears throat> so then, let's see what I want to go to next. I guess I'll go to another platform game on Sega Genesis, which is Kid Chameleon. That game, you know, has like a million levels. <laughs> and I think that game kind of helped me get even more curious with this game. You know, like, Okay, so if I go right here and I beat the men with the long earlobe, but I jump over here instead, okay, that's going to take me somewhere different. Okay, cool. And that game gave you, like, you know, in Mario, you start off, you get a mushroom, you get a snail. Because at that point, you need a mushroom to be big, and then at the point you get the flower, you need firepower. And Kid Chameleon was like, you know what? We're going to give you the fly helmet. We're going to give you the tank helmet, and we're going to give you the rhino helmet. Figure it the fuck out. And I was down to it because I'm like, ooh, yeah. That way, I mean, sometimes you fucked up. I remember one time sitting at the bottom of a lava pit in my tank like, fuck, I should have took the fly. <laughs> you know, because it's like I couldn't get back up. And you know, once you get in the lava, you just... <laughs> and that just challenged me in ways that I was just like, this is what I like. This is the kind of game I enjoy like playing. And it was like fun on top of that. And I was like, okay, I can get with it. I can get with it. Um, next game I'll say is Quest for Glory, Shadows of Darkness. PC. Now, it is a point and click adventure game. Again, if y'all ever notice in any game I play, I search everything. I touch everything. I'm like, oh, y'all, look, I found this wooden board that moved because of games like Quest for Glory from start. You know, like in Quest for Glory, if you want to hydrate Dimitri, you don't just walk into there and say, I'm going to hydrate Dimitri. No, you have to find Dimitri in this big old place. And you're like, OK, I got to figure this out. And then you get to him. And he's so small. And you're just like, he's in a jar. And what do I do next? Like, I don't understand. You didn't know that you had to go to the lake. Well, when you go to the lake, if you get in the water, the result is going to drown you. So you got to bring her, somebody, so that she'll get out and she'll, you know, float away nice again. And then you can get the water. Then you rehydrate Dimitri. And that, that was so exciting for me. I'm cutting the game off. (laughs) I'm cutting the game off. <laughs> I am cutting the game off. That would be the end of that adventure for me. I love it. I love 
Yeah, like there's a part, and I always think of Zerk when I when I think of this part of the game, even though I didn't know him then because I was a kid. But there's a part where you go to this castle, and you're trying to rescue this girl that you saw standing outside. You don't really realize that she's a vampire. So when you go to open the door after you finally get through the damn castle, you open the door and there's this big over thing, and he slams the door back, and he's like, "You know, enter here." And you're like, what the fuck? I went through this whole damn castle and this motherfucker won't even let me in to get the little bit. So like, it's, it's a process. You have to gain the trust of the people in the town before they start telling you shit. You know, you gotta go stay at the inn. You wake up in a cavern by yourself that looks like the inside of somebody's stomach. You know, like that kind of game got me serious. It got me into those games where you can touch every way that so, 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 so much. So that's kind of because the little girl was a vampire, kind of like let the right one in. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? And then she had her little guardian with her, but it wasn't a little boy; it was this big ogre monster. But still, it it, it gives me the same vibe, you know. So like that game was like bomb for me, okay, um, and it really set the tone for me for those types of games. Um, do do do. Next game is. Of course, I know boss is going to be like, mm. <laughs> it's Actraiser. And mm. that was on. <laughs> and if you know me, you know, give me an adventure slash build game. What? What? Like, I know it, I, I looked up each genre of these games just to see what they put them as. And they put this as a platform city building simulation game. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Actraiser was the first of its kind. Y'all want to be mad at me for playing Terraria 24-7? Blame Actraiser. Because not only do I have to adjust myself because these people are sad. They got sad faces over their hut because there's a bat that come out the hole and they want you to go down in the hole and fight the bat. But I can make sure these people are happy and good. Like, I wasn't really in the SimCity. I don't know if y'all know that. I'm not a big SimCity person. But you mm -hmm. give me little adventure in that you give me a oh you can go down and battle you can fight something and you come out like i did this shit i saved you motherfuckers and that makes me happy i'm like this huh or i could let the match just take you out hmm? keep talking shit i'm gonna go into this hole real quick i'll be back so act raiser really set the tone for the games that i absolutely play all the time and like i said if you know me as a gamer you know what i play all the time the last game should be no surprise to anybody present is The Sims. I, like I said, I didn't play Roller Coaster and stuff like that. Wasn't really my thing. You know, if I build a roller coaster, it's going to go off the track because I just want to kill the people. <laughs> but um, I was actually, and I'll actually tell the story on this one. I was in a car accident. And I cracked my rib and I couldn't go anywhere. And I was miserable. And I was like, I hate it here. And a friend of mine at the time was like, oh, you're stuck in the house. And I was like, no. And I couldn't lay down because the muscles were so in pain. Like it was like, uh, sitting up was like not even an option. So I slept sitting up and I stayed in my living room and I had my computer like desk set up and everything. And he bought me the Sims. As you all know, the rest is history. <laughs> um, there is nothing more than I love a good simulation game. And that means 
lot, there are lots of sim like games out there, you know, that I love and that I want to play that are coming out um, on PC, fuck console. Yeah, I said it. So <laughs> I don't like the Sims on console. It's boring. A lot it's of people stupid. don't. Yeah, it sucks. If you play it on PC, you'll never go back to playing it on console. And I started on PC, so yeah, everyone except for you Scoot, has a Sim and they know it. <laughs> you know, so I love uh, what they call godlike simulation games. And mm-hmm. as we know, Boss I lives. Don't, I don't personally want a Sim because I don't want my Sim to be what happened to Boss's Sim. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Boss's Sim, he, he's all right, though. He's living. So, I'm he had an apartment at one point. It had bugs, but he killed them. There's that. Some of my honorable mentions are uh, Super Castlevania 4. We know I like to slap a brick and get some meat out of a wall. Okay? Mm-hmm. You know, I am all big into Simon Belmont. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> you know, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm playing it tomorrow. Who's with me? <laughs> y'all deaf? Okay. Oh, oh so, yeah, we're we talking about the original arcade brawler. The arcade one, right? The brawler, yes. Turtles in Time. Okay. Uh, yes. Not the NES one that you had to swim in the dam. No, fuck no, that. No, no, no. If you remember, uh, the arcade game was actually so. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Rise from your grave. <laughs> like, I come on, school. You you played Ultra Beast. You know when that game starts, that announcer comes on, rise from your grave. And it's just I, like it just okay, weird. Okay, I, it, I, am, <laughs> I am going to admit here. I fucking hate Ultra Beast. Really? Really? <laughs> yeah, I never liked that game. What don't you like about it? I, I don't know. And I played it multiple times, do multiple times in life. I don't really like it. Do you like Super Ghouls and Ghosts? Huh? Super Ghouls and Ghosts, do you like that? Yeah. Okay. I get I get it similar, but I don't like Ultra Beast. Hmm. Sorry. Is is Ultra Beast is the reason I like it. It's just it's weird, man. It's that's it. It, Power the up. first boss you meet throws his face at you. That is true. He throws his face at you, that and it has tentacles on the back. Like, it's, what is this? You but play, wait, wait, wait. You play as a human that is either a were bear, a werewolf, or a were dragon. You got muffled around you. Kid Chameleon? Oh, man. Oh, no, I love Kid Chameleon. Oh man! Okay, we're gonna talk about this. Okay, so so the only game on your list I just never got was The Sims. I never got why people love that game so much because my lovable brother Mike loves The Sims, and he used to spend hours. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And like, what is the purpose of this game? I never got it. I tried it out, and I was like. When is the violence gonna happen? I was gonna say it's not enough action for you. Like, and see, and here's the thing: 
I I can understand The Sims because I like those godlike simulation games. Like Aranya mentioned, I'm more of the Sim City roller coaster tycoon. I play yeah, roller coaster tycoon too. Like roller coaster tycoon too. I played for hours and hours and hours. Like I like setting up a grease lightning roller coaster, turning the the launch speed on the ninety, and just watching the full train just fly off. It is like, <laughs> it is like, and then I love watching it not affect my park at all. It's so <laughs> exactly that's the funny part. Like seventeen people died, and business continues as usual. Look, if I raise ticket prices, and they like, okay, yeah, we'll spend fifty dollars a day to get here. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> <laughs> so I can understand the Sims is where you just instead of managing a park or a city or something like that, you manage people in a uh-huh. town kind of a way, but they also manage themselves. So you're essentially just. You can set them up with basic things and then just watch shit play out. So I yeah. can understand that. But Perfect. have I ever in gotten the, through it and played extensively? No. Hey, boss, in the words of the famous MA double, can't do. <laughs> but like I tell you what I what I did do, I let I throw a pool party when they all get in the pool, I remove the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> like, here's, 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 here's the thing. They don't know how to get out the pool without the ladder. They all drown. That's why my punishment, and if Tina was on here, she would say it. One of my punishments for my Sims, put them in a room with no windows, no doors. They urinate on themselves constantly, and then you put them in glass so people can laugh at them. They'll get humiliated. They won't want to do anything in them. Yep. And then the Reaper will come and visit them. <laughs> okay, so with that being said, uh, Xerxes, what you got for us? All right, can y'all can y'all hear me good? Yeah, yeah, we got you. Okay, so my genre of choice that I've played for just about all of my life are RPGs. I mean, to this day, and as God g- gives me life, I'm going to be an RPG player. Matter of fact, like my PS2 collection, the majority of those games are RPGs. Now, what got me in the road of RPGs was a point-and-click game called Shadowgate. And it wasn't because I played it that got me into it. It's because I read a solution to a problem that piqued my interest. So I was in the fourth grade, living over there off of South Postal. My dad used to take me to a video store that was on the corner of Fondren and West Belford. And the shopping center that's behind the Chevron station is at that corner. And that's where I used to go and rent games. And they had a game in there called Shadowgate. So, of course, you know, back in the day, decide if you're going to play something, you pick the box up, look at the back and see if you're interested. Well, Mm -hmm. it interests me looking at the back. Well, um, I had an issue of GamePro magazine. And back in the day, people, when they got, they would have a section called uh, Ask the Pros, where you write a letter asking how to solve an issue in the game. And one of these letters was a particular situation in Shadowgate. And when I read the solution to this issue, I was like, God dang. It just like something just happened. 
just from reading a solution. And I wanted to play it. And then when I wanted to play it, they had, I think they might have sold the game. So that is what got me into the genre. Now, as far as seriously playing RPGs, I think it might have been Fantasy Star 3 that got me like seriously playing. You know, I know I played the original Final Fantasy on NES at some point in my childhood. I just don't know when I played it. Mm-hmm. But um, I know that I extensively got into Fantasy Star 3. And uh, that got me, I guess, into, you could say, into the road of JRPGs. Because, no, that back in, the, in those days, as far as the console, it was JRPG was what you were going to get, you know. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, kind of funny that my foray to RPGs came from a letter is what started that. Now, I will take interest in a game that has religious overtones. And even though I played a game before the one I'm going to mention that had religious overtones, I think what really makes me pay attention to these games is uh, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. And I have to say Nocturne because that was the first game in the core series to come to the States. And when I found out about the game, like in advertisements, it got my interest because I think one of the magazine advertisements had the uh, main character surrounded by the four horsemen of the apocalypse from the Book of Revelations. So naturally, it got my attention. I have the game, you know, to this day, I still have it. Still haven't finished it, but I have have the game. Um, And I said I played one before that um, that had religious overtones, and that was Xenosaga. I didn't play the original Xenogears because I didn't have a PlayStation. But I did, have, when I got a PS2, you know, Xenosaga came out, and you know, that one uh, is extremely religious overtone heavy. Yeah. That's the know? one that was in uh, space with the German subtitle. Was it Xenosaga? Mm-hmm. Or Willy yeah. Mock or something? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it was supposed to be a prequel to Xenogears, which I never played. But yeah, it was. That's extreme. the one I played. I played Xenogears. Yeah. Xenogears was extremely religious, religious overtone yes. heavy. Um, and why I, I guess I like a, a game like that would be it's going to make me think one being a Christian, and then I want to see being a Christian, how are you applying these things? I just want to know, you know, because like, look, Shin Megami, like Nocturne, I actually went to the library to look something up to understand it better. Something that was in Nocturne, um, I don't know if I went purposely or if I thought about it and just went and looked something up. But bottom line, something in Nocturne, I had to research um, research it on the outside to figure out what it was and what it meant. So I have a better understanding because I just like to know and understand. You know, so it's a staple these days, but I can definitely appreciate a game that has an engaging story that just engulfs me. And the game that did that for me was Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. that once that game got going, I mean, the story got going, I was just mesmerized yes. by, the story, by the story. You know, I just wanted to hurry. I, like It was like I wanted to just hurry up and get through the encounter so I can get to the next plot point to know what's going on. You know, I just, it was just amazing. You know, and 
me being able to now appreciate stuff like that is why, you know, like I say Bioshock Infinite is one of the finest games ever made. You know, because it's got a goddamn engaging story and it just is a mind job. So what's that? Three games for me. So I had uh, Shadowgate slash Fantasy Star 3, Xenosaga, uh, um, Shin Megami Tensei, and Final Fantasy um, 10. So now we got to a point in the industry where we had to a now it's a staple where you have three a 3d action game that's kind of stylized you mm-hmm. know very visceral in combat and devil may cry introduced me to that yes you know because i think devil may cry because you know i know every people will hurry up and jump on the god of war bandwagon yeah god of war is an awesome game Mm-hmm. But to me, what started the whole was started making an action game, a visceral action game in 3D was Devil May Cry. To me, that's what started that whole idea mm-hmm. because that's what they did. You know, it controlled well, and the, the dude was just smooth when it came to combat. So now did that's you know that, uh, did you know that Devil May Cry was originally a Resident Evil and they just yes. didn't get it right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember them could get it right, but I, I remember, uh, yeah, I think it morphed. They were working on Resident Evil, they morphed into freaking Devil May Cry. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, that is why I guess I can appreciate. I mean, well, getting into the, into the stylized action, you know, because you're trying to figure out how you can change this combo around and what all you can add before the enemy dies, you know, because if they hit the ground, of course, it's all over. You're trying to figure out, man, how can I mix in this gun and this and this upcut with his sword? And how long can I shoot him and juggle him with, with the goddamn um uh ebony and ivory? Now, not necessarily is something I thought about the other day. So it's not a genre, but I guess more of a habit. Me having, I guess, a sense of precision and playing the game. And I think Shinobi did that for me, the original Shinobi, because that's one of the games that I had owned as a kid. And I remember, uh, like when you guys were talking, I had I was thinking about Shinobi and had a memory about it. There was a level in Shinobi. Uh, it's, it's in uh, level two, you know. And it's, we talk about back in the day games to where you have a level, but level would be like two one, two two, two three. You know, they break it down. And in the, in the second level, or like you know, back in the day, we used to call this a board. Man, I can't get past third board. We used to say stuff like that. <laughs> um, you had these platforms, and as you jump, and they were in water, and they had like these frog ninjas. I guess, I guess it was just a ninja in Scooby gear would jump up, you know. And I remember one of my cousins, when I was a kid playing. One of my older cousins was like, "You must know when they're gonna come out," because when I was getting them and not dying, it wasn't. I that is just I, you know playing the game so goddamn much. I knew what to do, but looking back. I, that probably trained me to be precise. I mean, because in a lot of those games, you could really uh, people want to say Demon Souls, Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. But a lot of games back in the day were punishing, and you had to learn to be precise. Otherwise, you were you were going to get your behind handed to you. Ninja Gaiden. Hey Tina. Hey mm. Tina. Hey Tina. So Ninja Gaiden very was was difficult. And also, it also trained me in precision. It got to the point where, you know, I was in a zen-like state playing, playing a game, you know, to where I, I, mean, I, knew, I knew what I was doing. Even though the game was difficult, you know, but I knew what the hell I was doing, you know. 
And like, if you guys listen to me talk, you know, it's, it's like my game and experience is just so it's so it's massive. You know, it's mm-hmm. been just such a part of my life. It's massive. Why I, I really, I, I guess I can't just pinpoint it to just one particular game. My experience was just across so many different things that shaped me into a gamer to where I can go all night about different games that did different things for me, you know, like uh, appreciating a good side scroller, a good action side scroller, the first country, which I have a very pleasant childhood memory attached to, you know, first country. So, you know, playing games like that, hell, I'm playing Mega Man 2. Oh, Mega Man 2, my God, man. (laughs) It was hard side scroller, but you know, you used to rent that extensively. So I know I went over five, you know, but my game is I know my game, like I said, it's so, and I'm not trying to, like, I, I'm not trying to sign insulting, but I just can't pigeonhole it, you know, it, it's just too massive, you know, and then the gaming industry now has gotten to where the genres are now bleeding together. A certain game I'm playing, you know, what makes me enjoy it could be several other things across my life, my game in life that's brought me to that point. You know, like I mentioned, um, enjoying a, a very engaging storyline well, that's why like, so I can appreciate Bioshock. I can appreciate Far Cry, you know, and play those, you know, because some game made me pay attention to story. And Final Fantasy X made me pay attention to story. Now, with some honorable mentions, uh, I probably like certain other games that, you know, got me to this point in life, you know, and I probably maybe didn't even realize it. So honorable mention, first game, a game called Zillion that was on the Sega Master System. You know, that game is, I guess you can call it side scroller action because you, it just scrolls to left and right. But um, imagine being an eight year old. I may have been eight or nine playing this game, maybe eight. And you figure out, you know, you have to use special codes that you find in a room to make the door unlocked to get to the next room. That was a staple of the game. Do I don't know if you guys are around. Do you ever play that game or heard of it? It's an old 8-bit game. I don't think I heard of it. Second mm-hmm. Master System. So you're in an underground maze and you had a, you were trying to take out some terrorist organization of some kind and rescue some agents that went missing down there. But the way the game was set up was that as you're going through the underground tunnels, you're getting to a room and then... Um, a force field will lock you in the room. And it had these cylinders that you had to shoot with your gun. And then you go in front of the cylinder, press up, and you get something out of it. Uh, the main thing, it would be a symbol. And you had to get all the symbols and go to a computer in the room, type the symbols in to make the door open up. So I remember that the game manual for my game, in the back, we used to have note section. It was full of me copying them symbols down. Imagine an eight-year-old. I figured how to do that. <laughs> you know, it's full of the symbols, so I remember how to get get out of the room. You know, so I mean, that's nothing back then. But now, I mean, that's a you know, it's a staple like, of paying attention to what to what's going on, having to figure things out. Because I love figuring things out. Uh, a good side-scrolling brawler game, a good beat 'em up, as they call it. You know, for me, the first one was Double Dragon. You know, in some of these old school games, I played in the actual arcade. So I played Altered Beast in an arcade. That's the first time I played it was a cat arcade cabinet. First time I played Ninja Gaiden was an arcade cabinet, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and Double Dragon, you know, 
Um, but you know, that's it for me, y'all. I mean, my, my gaming experience is just so goddamn massive and it's going in so many different directions. <laughs> so it's so many different things that turn me into who I am. So for all my Chappelle fans out there, preferably the making the band episode, Street Fighter, Street Fighter, Street Fighter, Street Fighter, Street Fighter. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Funny enough, Street Fighter isn't even on the list. But uh, I'll start off with Tetris. Tetris 1 being my Ooh. favorite game of all time. And kind of got me into that whole puzzle-like games anyway. Like, I could spend just hours just playing Tetris. Uh, I, speaking of... I, Speaking of Tetris, I think that is probably the only video game in history that you could call a perfect game. Damn like, no. I don't think there's anybody that could say there's a problem with Tetris. Like, you may not be good at it, but you can't point to a problem with it. Exactly. Like, like the, 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 the concept, everything is so simple. It's just right. fitting. Right. See? Right. See? Look, look, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Validation, right there. <laughs> Validation. <laughs> Validation. <laughs> uh, I wasn't a fan of Tetris, but as far as a post game like that, you know, I played the hell out of some columns. Mm. You know, columns wasn't bad, but it was just something about Tetris. Something and Dr. Mario. Dr. Yeah. Mario wasn't bad. You know what? Quick story about like Mario. <laughs> My mom played a shitload of Dr. Mario when she was pregnant with Mike, and my dad made a reference to her. You keep on playing that game, that boy gonna come out of pill. <laughs> <laughs> like for some reason, she played the hell out of Dr. Mario when she was pregnant with Mike. But um next one, boss mentioned it earlier. Uh Goldeneye for me. That was one of the first. First person shooters I played, and it was a first person shooter that I spent a lot of hours on, mainly mm-hmm. playing multiplayer. I don't even know if I ever played the story mode, to be perfectly honest with y'all. I think it was strictly multiplayer, but uh, Golden Eye for sure. Um, Lost Odyssey. Lost Odyssey wasn't the first RPG I ever played. Mm-hmm. Shit. Maybe the tenth, fifteenth, but Lost Odyssey was on the Xbox 360. Um, it was something about that RPG that just really resonated with me. I don't know if it was the story, the combat, the characters. Well, the combat was fucking amazing, but Lost Odyssey was amazing, and I will admit it on here. It was actually the first game that actually made me shed tears. Wow. Cause it was cause um the main character or the main thing of the game was was that it was like these characters that lived a thousand years and they would visit Earth and every thousand years they would kind of rotate out. And what happened was the group that was there now, it was a war that happened that they lost their memories. So what happened was as you're playing the game. You can collect uh, different stories from the main character, and they would read the stories out. And it was just one of the stories I was just sitting over there, like, man, this is some bullshit. 
I'm supposed to be beating asses. Things will be crying. Um, so Lost Odyssey for some it might actually go down as probably my favorite RPG of all time. And that's over mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII and stuff like that. But um next one on my list, uh personally got help from boss because without boss, I would be in the Aranya boat. That would be Bloodborne. <laughs> now, Bloodborne would be my favorite Soulsborne game that I personally played. And the reason why I was almost like Aranya, I was stuck at a certain boss. Fuck you, Father Gascon. But I was stuck at a certain boss. And boss <laughs> came over and was like, let me help you out here. He didn't do it for me, but he basically gave me the tips to get past the boss because I was about to hook that game out my damn window. <laughs> that game was about to get frisbeed in that parking lot. Mm-hmm. And and whoever would have picked it up is yours. Right. Mm-hmm. But then luckily, boss helped me get through that part. And from there, I'm not going to say it was smooth sailing because if you played Bloodborne, no. It ain't nothing smooth about that damn game, but I did, <laughs> which helped me, you know, play through other souls like games as like Neo and Sekiro and throw it away. But yeah, uh, the last game on my list, uh, it might not be known to a lot of people, but it was Fatal Fury: Mark of the Wolves. Now, I know the name. Now, mm. this fighting game, the reason why this is number one on my list is because of uh, boss. You should remember Corey. I remember, I remember. Yeah, Corey. So this was back before I got truly into fighting games like that. Back in my old school, we used to bring games and play it in the cafeteria during lunch and everything. And he would always bring fighting games, and I would be getting my ass whooped. So he'll be like, Fred, I'm going to come over this weekend and I got you. And you know what? For Boss and Aranya, think of the Craig of the Creek episode when he wanted to play Power Punchers. Exactly. And the yeah. game he brought was Fatal Fury, Mark of the Wolves, and he basically gave me the template that I still apply to this day with basically mastering one character, immediately playing the game on the hardest difficulty, things like that. So it was because of Fatal Fury, Mark of the Wolves. That's the reason why that fighting game over anything will be on the list. Of course, I got some honorable mentions. Hell, I got more honorable mentions than anything. Of course, you know, Streets of Rage 2, preferably. Uh, The Batman animated series for the Sega Genesis. That game was fire. Uh, Mario, because that is the first video game I've ever played in my life. The original one? Yeah, like the first Yeah, that was the first video game I ever played. Uh, Simpsons Hit and Run. Shout out to Mrs. Ladybug. That's our like personal game that we kind of share together. Uh, Left for Dead. Shout out to Mike because that's our game that for some reason on the Xbox 360, we was playing Left for Dead like there was nothing else out. <laughs> I couldn't tell you how many times we beat that game, but we played that game like there was no other games out on the Xbox 360. And the last game on my honorable mention goes to Boss and Aranya for Ark. 
Because I would have never, what? ever played that game. What? I would have never touched what? Ark in my life if it wasn't yes. for y'all people. Yeah. <laughs> I would have never touched that game had it not been for y'all too. Wow. And of course, you know, not to go back into the history. If y'all know our history, you know our history with Ark, but I would have never touched that game had it not been for y'all too. That's dope. So as you can hear, ladies and gents out there, those were our games that made us the gamers. We are today, you know, yes, we will revisit this subject at some point because we will have guests on who are also gamers that can give us their five games that made them the gamers they are. But we will be back soon because tomorrow we having a little party at Cidercade. Party. And, you know, we got to chronicle those adventures of how Cidercade goes and... Like I've told people out there, I give out group discounts of ass whoopings. <laughs> See me in some Marvel versus Capcom. See this me in some Street Fighter. This boy about to get shamed at his own birthday party. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna tell you the same thing I told Mike the other day because mm-hmm. Mike told me he was gonna beat me. And whatever, and I told him, "Do I have to remind you who the fuck I am?" <laughs> you gonna Let get me you gonna get see me, seen. see me. I see you down there. Sir. See me, <laughs> see me. Huh. I'm there. See me. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. any final thoughts, ninjas? Y'all want to give before we sign out? Y'all, we were talking about uh, arcade games earlier, and I immediately thought of an arcade game that everybody who has been to the location will say is the best game in that location, bar none, no questions asked. And that is, if you played arcade games and you've been to a Chuck E. Cheese in your life, you know the greatest game they ever had there is that Jurassic Park game with the Jeep seats that you sat in. <laughs> there is no other game that Chuck E. Cheese ever had on the floor. Hey, I think that game was at Cybercade. Look, hey, if they do I have it, I'm sitting in so. that seat. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm no. getting in that seat. Oh. <laughs> I think it's there, to be perfectly honest. I, I do remember seeing a Jurassic Park game there. Man. I think it's there. Man, getting in there and expecting the rest of us to help you get out. Exactly. <laughs> man, man. Man, that was a, uh, that was a, uh, that was a great the games there. Y'all got any parting words before we head out? I had one more honorable mention I didn't get to say, and that was Turok. Yes, okay. yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. started my arc journey. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I want. Zert, anything left on the subject of arcade games? We also uh, we know that arcade cabinets can be notoriously hard, yes, you know, and I, I think you know, now as an adult looking back at it, it's probably because to try to keep you pumping quarters into that bad boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I have to say I have 
a teenage memory uh, where I actually beat an arcade cabinet. Okay. It was at Astroworld. You know, me and my cousin, Lord, you know, we used to go all the time. And it was a fighting game that I beat called Primal Rage. Because I, I fell in love with that game. That's his uh, cider cage as well. It's, I even remember, okay, I'm going to have to go and revisit. Mm. I even remember what arcade I was in. It was arcade by the Excalibur roller coaster. Like right hey. in front of me. That was the arcade, and it was at nighttime. And I was going forward to where, like, my cousin, because he, he he's a big fighting game fan. He really <laughs> wasn't in Primal Rage. But he was there with me. Like, I remember he had to stop somebody from putting the quarter in because I was on the roll. I was about to beat this game. <laughs> He had to stop somebody because, like, the final boss, it wasn't a final boss. It was a boss rush where basically you had to fight all the other dinosaurs back to back on one health bar. Well, well, what they did is that before you went into the final encounter, you had a bonus round where you just ate humans and you were filling up your life bar for a time period, just eating humans. And... What that was doing is that however far you got that bar to fill up, when you get to the fi- the final encounter, if you die, you get back up and they give you that bar that you got in the bonus round. So if you got it fill- filled halfway, you would get up with a halfway you know, b- uh, bar. Mm-mm. And the dinosaur I beat it with was Talon, the little Velociraptor. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I-, I was sold that game like I remember uh, my cousin's stepdad, and we was at uh, I think Morris City Mall. I was playing a game, and I was tense, tan. I was playing playing against the computer. I was tan somebody up because you know they had copious amounts of blood. He was like, "That's you mm. doing all this shit." I used to pop the controller doing the move, like you know, like certain special moves. I like just pop the controller with talent and make him do what he had to do. Let's hit it and let it go. Pop it. But yeah, that's a, just a little, little ar- uh, arcade memory. Only arcade cabinet. I ever be was that one. I, I would say the only <laughs> the only arcade cabinet I ever beat was also at Astroworld, but it was over there by Texas Cyclone. I'm you know where you had to wait in line for the season passes. Uh, Gauntlet Dark Legacy. Like anybody remembers those games where you played as the wizard, the the, the fighter, awesome. and all that. Yeah, man. I, I want I want to get a copy of it for the original Xbox because I think that's going to be like a good port. Yeah, and that was that game like went through every world, went tried to unlock the little secret characters and all that, and got to the final evil wizard. And it was just like, man, that that game. I think I spent like ten dollars worth of quarters. It's <laughs> just to get through it. And so, yeah, man, that that's the only arcade cabinet I ever beat, and it was also at Astroworld. So, you know, R.I.P. to Astroworld. So. Right. Yeah. Um, well, until the next time you hear from us and see us, uh, on behalf of Zerk, Ronya, Boss, and myself, Scoot, we'll holler at y'all. And remember, we are just trying to make our Ninja Village proud every day. Peace. Good night. Good night, all.